I'm Freddie Beeler, and this is the Creative Sheep Podcast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast. Uh, my name is Jared Hogue, and uh, on this podcast, I talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Uh, once again, joined in the studio today with my, my, my best friend, uh, Roman Johnson, everybody. Hey, y'all. <laughs> when did you become a redneck? I just took it real Oklahoma in there. Oh, uh, gotcha. I don't actually talk like that. But, yeah. Uh, hi. For those of you that don't know, Creative Sheep is based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Beautiful, sunny Tulsa, Oklahoma, where dreams come true. Is that our slogan? I believe it is. It's either where dreams come true or what happens in Tulsa stays in Tulsa. Definitely not the second one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, we've got a great show for you today. And uh, just so happens, today's show is brought to you by creativesheep.org, a place That's you right. can go to get all your uh, church media needs. Uh, we've got uh, video, graphic design, custom, and pre-made. Uh, brought to you by creativesheep.org. And you may be thinking, what is custom? What's that mean? Like a custom car? Exactly like a custom car. So you say, I need a video project done. I need some motion graphics work done. I need some graphic design done. Who am I going to call? Creative Sheep. Not, yeah, I thought you were going to say Ghostbusters. Uh, I almost did, but then I decided to to, to bend it uh, Creative Sheep That's way. Good. So yeah, just hit us up if you need something done and uh, and we can make it happen. So go on our website, creativesheep.org, and we'll get your needs taken care of. You better believe it. Hey, we're going to jump right in. We've got an incredible interview with Frank Beeler, but we're not going to jump into that. I think my verbiage right there could have been a little misleading. <laughs> We're going to jump right into a segment we just started not too long ago called One Question. One question, one question, it's time for one question. All right, today's one question is this. Let's hear it. What is our creative process? Whoa, whoa, that's a big question. I'm actually going to take this, and Roman, you chime in. I'd love to. Uh, we're going to go through, uh, we have five steps that we go through on almost every project, and this is like very broad, uh, 30,000 foot no, this view. This is the highest view of yeah. the creative process. This is not in the trenches. This is viewing from a uh, very, very high, high place. Yeah. But there's five main steps that we go through. We do not skip these steps. Uh, this is what we do. So uh, I'll go through them all real quick, and then we'll break it down a little bit. So the first one is uh, is always the content. What do we want to say? What is our angle? Um, for us, content is king. Content is always the driver. We never we never take the route of what's cool. What what could we do that would be cool? Yeah, that's a huge uh, pitfall that I think a lot of people fall into. Yep. Is they're just constantly chasing cool. And the thing about cool is it's relative. And, and trying out to do to outdo themselves. Yeah. Um, which, which for us anyways, is we're developing for churches, our focus is communicating God's love. Um, and I mean, you can't really outdo what, what God and Jesus did for us. So it, it, we're, our focus is always, it's the content. What are we trying to say? Yeah. Um, so then once we have that, once we have the angle nailed down, then we move on to the concept. Uh, and that's basically what's the vehicle that we're going to use to convey the content. How are we going yeah. to tell this? Like a smart car. Yeah. <laughs> Vehicle. Uh, then we move on to the actual scripting phase, and then our writers take it from there, and they start developing the script for whatever the piece is going to be. Yeah. And it's not a thing where the writers just take it, and they have it, and then they give it back to us, and we move on. It's, right. It's a very scrutinized process uh, where we're working in tandem uh, mm -hmm. with, you know, with our writers and, and making sure that it, uh, it's the best it can possibly be before it goes on to the next phase. Absolutely. Uh, which, at that, Roman, uh, sitting here next to me, or across from me, yes. is our creative director. So he is highly, highly involved in these in all phases of this process. Um, I am involved a little bit in this process, yeah. uh, but not nearly as heavily as Roman is. With him being our creative director, he calls the shots on this. So then after we get an approved script, uh, we move on to the actual production and the, the kind of the next step in that then is the rough draft of the product. That's right. Um, what, we're, what we're creating, we have a rough version of it. This is before we post the audio, before we do any sound design. This is just a rough version of the product. When we say the production, uh, whether it be a shot piece or mm -hmm. motion graphics, those are in the same bucket. It's yep. either you go shoot the piece or you sit down in front of a computer and have our motion designers design it, uh, shoot and edit, you yep. know, motion design, all the same thing. Yep. Uh, so after the rough product, uh, we make our tweaks and edits, and then it's on to the final. And basically, we view this process that if we've done our job and hit those checkpoints along the way, uh, by the time we go from content and concept uh, to final, 
we should have what we were after by the time we release a final product. Um, now we're going to dive in a little bit uh, a closer view, maybe a 10,000 foot view. Yeah, we were at 50,000 feet, and which gonna, is, uh, we're getting close to the space-time continuum at that point. <laughs> but we're going to take it down a notch yes. to 10,000 feet. Yes, um, and, and I would just say that, like Roman alluded to just a moment ago, every pro- part of this process is highly, highly scrutinized. Um, and not that it's no fun. Right, right. But there's just a lot of questions asked, That's a lot right. of feedback, a lot of pushback um, from uh, certain people. Um, they're not. We don't have people speaking in constantly. It's more at the checkpoints uh, to make sure that the conversa- conversation continues, but that not everybody has a voice all the way through because that just slows process down too much. Yes, yes. And there's too, you can get into a, too many cooks in the kitchen uh, uh, little situation. Absolutely. That's never a good thing. Absolutely. So, uh, one product we're going to break down real quick for you is a a product we did earlier this year called because he rose. And it was actually our Easter piece, uh, for 2015. And, uh, this is a a product that made it pretty far into our process, at least for us that, uh, totally changed direction, uh, pretty far into our process, which is not normal for us. And also, uh, it's not uh, something we like to do. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it's it, it throws a wrench in the whole the whole thing. Yeah. When, when you got to just start over from scratch. Yep. So we had a piece. It went from the content concept. The script was written, and we were just about maybe a couple days from production. Yeah. Of creating this piece. And then I, uh, I I don't know. I had a I had a a moment where I thought this if we move forward to this this could be a horrible disaster. Um, and not it, that's a little bit of a overstatement, but it would just not be great. Right. And so it didn't I, meet our standards. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't meet our standards. So I was like, I'm going to take this. I printed it off. I crumbled it up and I threw it in the trash can. Never to speak of it again. Never to speak of it again. <laughs> so we, we totally abandoned ship on that. Came up with, uh, we changed the content a little bit. Uh, the concept completely changed. Uh, got the script written and then cranked it out. And uh, ended up loving the piece that we created earlier this year. You can check it out at creativesheep.org. Yeah. Uh, it's called it's Because be, He Rose. It's going to still be available this coming Easter. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So there's our creative process in a nutshell. If you've got any questions, hit us up on social. Email me, jared at creativesheep.org. Would love to answer any questions that you have. On to today's shameless plug. Shameless. Bug. Shame, shameless. Shameless. Bug. Shameless. Bug. Shame, shameless. Bug. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to go to creativesheep.org to check out our series packs. Jared, if I may. Please do. Uh, if I may set the stage. Oh. Uh, you're a pastor. I am. Well, I was speaking hypothetically about our listeners oh, gotcha. being pastors. You are a pastor. Of course. Which is great. You're ordained. You carry a card. I, <laughs> I've seen it. I saw it earlier today. A member of the clergy. Weirdly enough. <laughs> um, but you're in your office. You're, you got your music playing. You're trying to get in the zone to get creative about what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Been there. But you're running dry on topics. You can't think of anything. There's too many topics. There's a lot. A good place to start would be creativesheep.org. It's a wonderful place to start. Go to our series packs, and we've got tons of ideas. We've got series packs for you there that you can download that have all the elements you need for your church to put on a killer series. Absolutely. Video elements, graphic design. You're going to get the original PSDs. You can make anything from from a business card size all the way up to a billboard uh, with these PSDs. That's Uh, right. Message bumpers in there. This is some really killer stuff. Message bumpers are a huge thing because nobody likes awkward silence. No. It's a truth about human nature. Yeah. Awkward silence is the worst. The worst. So, hey, your band gets done playing. Lights go down. Bumper rolls. You got some music playing. You you set up the topic with the bumper, perhaps. Absolutely. And you, you got time to take the stage comfortably, get you maybe a little water bottle, get you a drink of water. And uh, I think the bumper is a, is a beautiful thing. It's it's incredible. So go check it out, creativesheep.org. Uh, check out our series packs. Hey, real quick, uh, what kind of music do you listen to to get inspired, Jared? Uh, it, if I'm writing, I listen to classical music. I, I, I've Bach. lately been listening to Yo-Yo Ma. Ah, Yo-Yo Ma with the cello. Yes, one of Steve Jobs' favorite artists. In fact, his favorite artist. And so I started listening to okay. Yo-Yo Ma and uh, love It's very his gentle work. on the cello. Love his work, yes. Yeah. Um, so I listen to that a lot when I'm writing. And uh, But anyways, yeah, go to, go to creativesheep.org and check out our series packs. Uh, 49 bucks, you're getting all of this. Each wow, series yeah. pack is 49 bucks. And Hold on. for our podcast listeners, we're running that's, a special. That, that's you. You're a podcast listener you are. if you're listening to this. For, uh, we're giving you 50% off. 
50% off just because we like you. That's a great deal. That's a great deal. Just enter podcast at checkout. Podcast. That's all you got to enter. You're going to get 50% off. And that today, folks, is our shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. You know, folks, life is about relationships. Uh, in fact, Judah Smith did a great book uh, on this called Life Is. It's all about loving God and loving people. Not a new idea. This is something Jesus said. It's the two commandments he gave after he died on the cross were to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and so life is all about relationships. And more and more, the church world is is working to build relationships. Yeah. What better way to speak into someone's life than through relationship? Absolutely. And I think... I think uh... I think a lot of churches are actually realizing uh, if they don't already do some sort of small group or something, I think uh, I think a lot of churches are realizing it's tough to build those really strong relationships just from the stage out into the audience. Absolutely. You know? And so I think this is a particularly important topic uh, to talk about. Totally. And I'm so honored and privileged. I had the, the pleasure of speaking with Frank Beeler. Frank is the family pastor at Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Under Pastor Stephen Furtick's leadership, Frank has come in and is just tearing it up out in Charlotte. Uh, Multiple, multiple campuses uh, Elevation has now. Um, Frank has got an incredible story. Leaving the marketplace was the president and CEO of an insurance company. Uh, Left that to come work at Elevation. Becomes a family pastor, oversees babies through high school, and is just doing a great job. And, And what we were able to talk about was... Just that, relationships, developing a strong small group culture at your church. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with Frank Beeler. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today I am joined with the family pastor of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Frank Beeler. Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, give us a little backstory. How uh, how did you become the family pastor at Elevation uh, and and it, I actually just found out this morning that ministry has not been where you've been for uh, your career. Uh, this is actually a fairly recent change. You came from the marketplace before this. Give us a little backstory on how you got where you are. Yeah, so I was president of an insurance company for nine years. My uh, wife and I were living in East Tennessee. We've got three kids, and everything was going great. We acquired a couple of companies in Charlotte, North Carolina, and so my wife and I felt... Uh, we were ready for an adventure, so we moved to Charlotte to oversee those, let the you know vice presidents to run our East Tennessee operations. Uh, came over here, and along the way, found Elevation Church. I had remembered hearing Pastor Stephen Furtick at a conference, and so I was like, I think that was Charlotte. And so, sure enough, we looked it up and, and knew a Pastor Stephen at that point. This is 2009, and so we found ourselves serving and giving and being a part of a small group here at Elevation, and loving our opportunity to serve on the weekend and be a part of this. And honestly, during the week, was finding myself at the Charlotte airport, flying wherever I needed to for business, and then coming back on the weekend and going after it, and falling in love with um, the teaching here and what God was doing, and and have enjoyed serving in the church for many years before that as a volunteer, and and so it made sense for us to find that in Charlotte. But after a couple of years, had the incredible opportunity for our family to go through a journey of transitioning from being in the insurance world to coming on staff at Elevation as a campus pastor in early 2011, or no, that would be late 2011, and coming on staff launching a campus that was called Fifth Campus at that time. And then uh, nine months later, Pastor Stephen asking me to make the switch uh, to hand over uh, the campus pastor role to another person and oversee family ministry for the church. And so been doing that ever since. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, now, that's a pretty big transition coming from insurance to the church world. Uh, but uh, you were you were leading quite a bit in the insurance world. And, and actually, uh, before we even get to the next question I'm going to ask here, one of the things I thought was so fascinating is I've heard you say that that at Elevation, when you came on, it wasn't just that, that the, family, the family ministry side of your church was handed to you to manage, uh, but for you to be able to take it somewhere, and you've really been empowered to run the family ministries department. Can you give me just a, a brief glimpse of some of the things that go on at Elevation that allow you to do just that? Because I'd imagine coming from insurance, being in a president's role, you get to make a lot of key decisions. And then if you kind of fall into a management position, 
it could almost be frustrating going from those two different levels of leadership, but clearly you seem to be fulfilled by what you're doing now. So how, how does that exactly work in a brief snapshot? Yeah, so Elevation, even when I was serving as a volunteer before coming on staff, they, in my role, would fully empower me, as long as every other volunteer, to lead as high as we could in light of our life circumstances and other things going on. So I was available on the weekends, not available very much during the week when I was in uh, the business world, but they empowered me and allowed me to lead some volunteers and invest in people because I had a heart to lead and, and wanted to do just that. And so they could have stuck me at a, at a door as a greeter. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been more than willing to do that. In fact, I started when I first started volunteering. I was on the setup team at our earliest setup location. I would get there early in the morning and just help unload stuff off trucks. But over time, they saw in me, as we've learned to see in others and see what's special about Elevation Church, is that they call out the significance and the potential and the opportunities to lead and serve and invest in others. So before long, I was leading that team and then had opportunities to shift and oversee other areas where I could build those teams, raise up leaders with lots of vision and direction, but also permission Mm. to build that team as we need. So they would create this box. I say they because I wasn't on staff yet, and I was still trying to understand what all this looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they would create this box and say, okay, here's how we roll. Here's what we do. Now go make this happen and go and get connected with volunteers and and do this together. And so if you come to visit Elevation Church, honestly, one of the things I love about our church so much is that you could walk around and meet some people and think uh, to yourself, I wonder what they do on staff. And after a brief conversation, discover that they're actually not on staff, that they have a full-time job somewhere else, but they've bought into the vision and culture. And so now I have an opportunity to lead and do just that in my family ministry role, um, some people are placed in the children's ministry because they're really zany and fun and cool with kids. Mm-hmm. And while I care for kids, i got three kids of my own. I want them to have a great time. My job is to lead the leaders that invest in those kids. Mm. And so I get to truly be a leader. And, and Pastor Steven has empowered me to say, hey, when it comes to family ministry, make it great. Here are our goals. Here's what we want to see happen in the ministry. Go for it. And truly has trusted me. Uh, with the keys to the family ministry, what it takes to move forward. But uh, we do that as we see people fully embrace the vision and the heart of the house. So we're slow to give away those keys, yeah. but we w- are willing to in small things and being faithful in those small things, serving on teams, doing this, will create greater opportunities. Wow. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, okay, well, jumping jumping in on, on here, one of the, one tweet you sent out a while back really intrigued me. Uh, you said one of the best things we can do for our kids is believe bigger than our faith can fuel. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, so um, my wife and I have been just writing our thoughts and just kind of uh, learning what it looks like to be parents. And I'd come across this scripture in Mark chapter nine where a father has brought his son to Jesus for healing. It's right after the transfiguration of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, just shortly after that, this father brings his son, who's demon-possessed, having all these issues, and he says, if you can do anything, please take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies back, anything, everything is possible for him who believes. And the father's response is, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And it just got me down this hmm. path of going, you know, we we believe, but we put these limitations on God, and, and you and I know that it's easy sometimes to believe that God's going to do something great in the lives of someone else's kid or in the lives of someone else's situation or medical issues or whatever they're going through, believing for God to do something miraculous. But when it comes to our own life, we put qualifiers and limitations a lot of times. Mm. So I've come to learn, and as a parent, that, you know, I believe and I see potential, but I know there's there's stuff that I don't even see yet, or I don't even get about my kid yet that I don't understand. And so that's where I've just got to trust God and go, you know, even beyond what I understand, what I, what I have the faith to muster, where I'm falling short, God, I want to believe beyond that, and I'm giving it all to you. So help me overcome my unbelief. So it came out of that scripture. It's just this thought I've been wrestling with. I've tweeted a couple times and gotten some interesting feedback on it, so we just kind of wrestle with it together. Man, that's really cool. Really cool. Uh, okay, so next up here, you've, you've got a 
pretty busy schedule. I know your schedule at Elevation is fairly demanding. Uh, plus, you've got, of course, the website that you and your wife run, lead3.com. Uh, and not to mention all the other things you do, like this podcast. Uh, how many campuses do you oversee with the Family Ministries right now? 13 locations. 13 locations. So, I mean, some people probably think their hands are pretty full leading one location. You're leading 13 locations when it comes to the family ministry side of things, which I believe at Elevation, that is that babies through fifth grade, is that correct? So, we recently made the change, so I now receive babies through 12th grade. Oh, wow. The family ministry is more like a next-gen language or, yeah. or um, uh, true, true family ministry. Gotcha. Wow. So, okay, so babies through high school now, uh, 13 locations. You've got stuff that you do on your own. Like you said earlier, you've got a wife, you've got, uh, you've got kids. How do you manage all of this? How do you make sure there's time for everything, not to mention your own personal study and, I mean, just everything that life demands? How do you keep up with it all? Yeah, so um, let, let's be honest and say it's tricky. And some weeks are easier than others, okay? Um, You mentioned several times about um, just the other stuff that we do. If you look really closely at our ministry, you'll discover that all the stuff, whether it be a podcast or supporting a church or going to speak or whatever, it's all out of the overflow of things that we've taught here first. Oh, great. And so instead of creating content and then bringing it back to our church, it's kind of the opposite. Um, we God has put stuff inside of us to share with our staff, our volunteers, and it's out of that or that Bible study time uh, that we're now able to share with mm. with the world or equip other churches. So it's kind of how we're built. How powerful Stephen is when you hear him preach a great message at a conference. Honestly, it was preached in our house, and now he's taking it out, not the other way around. And so we're not. I don't feel any pressure. My wife doesn't feel any pressure to create content. That wasn't already created for something we did here. We may have to reword it or change a little bit of it, but it's just out of the overflow. So that helps it make sense. And so um, for us, as far as that extra content, trying to be more apostolic and support the, the capital C Church and really make a difference. And so we're empowered to do so. But my focus really is the church and my family and trying to figure out how to do that. And I know a lot of people talk about balance and how do you, how do you just get it all evened out? Well, uh, Pastor Stephen has taught us here at Elevation that it's not about balance, it's about integration. Because what I'm discovering is that balance is a mythical beast. I haven't met anybody that's had balance. Uh, they may say they're refreshed, they may say they're in a good space, and then when you start to ask them questions or talk to them, they start to refer to the fact that they just got off vacation, or um, they just, they're transitioning their job and they don't know what it is right now. So it's real vague, so they don't have a lot going on, and, but it feels like they're on top of it. Well, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot going on right now. Yeah. And when you have a full load, I haven't found anybody that's just nailed balance. And so we talk integration, and integration is just saying that ministry is a lifestyle, family is a lifestyle, Jesus is the center of everything we do, not at the top of the priority list, but he's in the middle of it all. And so when we approach it that way now, things change posture a little bit. So now when I go to a video shoot for some curriculum, I'm going to reach out to one of my kids and say, hey, why don't you go with me, and we'll go hang out together. Or I'm going to visit one campus, my wife's going to another campus on a Sunday morning, we're splitting up, I'll take one kid with me, she'll take two with her, and the one that goes with me considers it a date day. We go out to lunch together, which is real strategic, even though I'm still working. Mm. And so Pastor Steven has been super supportive in family, so before all the big events, Easter, Christmas, and stuff like that, um, we throw a big party for the staff and the staff kids and love on them. We have one camp that we do over the summer, and it's for staff kids only. And so we're, we're trying oh, to keep wow. the whole family unit healthy. We don't do any other camps. We don't do vacation model school. We do one camp for students uh, when it comes to up to fifth grade, and that's for those elementary age kids. And that camp just for staff kids, and because we want to honor them and take care of them, and so. The church is really intentional about it, and we need to be intentional about it as well in our planning. Um, but one thing that we've discovered is that, I know this is a long answer, but this is a really big question. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so um, one of the things that my wife and I have discovered, we've integrated some language that's helped us because we've discovered that ministry is all about exception. 
your schedule's never the same. It's always changing because needs aren't consistent. There's always something that comes up, whether it be a need uh, from another staff member or a need from somebody that just needs our care or pastorally needs us to be there for them, love on them, whatever it may be. And so if we're going to do that, what if we were to say, you know what, we don't know when this exception is going to occur, but there are certain things that happen in our lives that are exceptions that we need to plan for as best we know how. So we use this language, we say, when this, then that. Mm. And the whole idea is, when this happens, then this is our response, and we're going to plan that in advance for our family. So, for example, I get to do a lot of the group interviews for our staff, not just for my area of ministry, but for the whole church. And sometimes those group interviews lead to uh, an evening where my wife and I go out with this couple that we're interviewing just to kind of get them outside of the formal interview process, just to talk and see how they interact with one another. Mm. Well, as part of that, that's another night me being gone, and that's the last of the interview process. So that's not scheduled until they make it through all the other hoops, and there's seven steps. And so it's kind of last minute when it comes up with this dinner. And so I used to find myself calling home and saying, I'm sorry. It became this common language. I know I told you I was only going to be gone three nights this week, but I'm gone four nights this week. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I started this language, and when this and that, it started to create this recipe. And we said, well, we know we're going to do interviews from time to time, so what does that look like? So now uh, we've created a recipe that says when we have an interview, then our kids get to go to the same restaurant with a volunteer from the church sit at a different table, and we buy them an appetizer and a dessert. Okay? <laughs> they never get that, an appetizer and dessert. Yeah. That's super special. And yeah. so now, when I call home and say I've got an interview, my kids are excited about it, not dad's not home again. And so it changed the posture. And so it's like, no, 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 let's change some of these things you do as a get-to instead of a have-to and, and really shift that posture in our mindset. So how do we plan a little better? And so we have recipes like that, literally dozens of recipes that we've created these rules for ourselves that we try to follow. When I travel, the next day is a day at home. Instead of it being like, no, 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 I'm going to book my schedule so tight that I'm going to get right back to work after being gone. For example, I just got back from Australia from a 10-day trip to a ministry there. Wow. And then coming back, everybody's like, no, 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 i got to get back to work. I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. Well, I'd rather work the whole flight back be exhausted, and then spend that next day lounging around the house with my kids and catching up and just having yeah. some time together. And so that's a recipe that we've established. But if not, I would have just been here first thing the next morning and missed out. And so that's our key, is integration. It's weaving this together, being intentional about it. Wow, that's really cool. Very, very cool. Great stuff there. Uh, love the recipes that you're talking about, uh, The making your kids feel special. That's a big deal. And I didn't realize that the camp that you did, uh, of course, stalking you on social media, I, I see some tweets and stuff about this. I didn't realize that was only for staff kids. How- yeah, it's called Camp Juggernaut. So we do a student, uh, you know, a, a student ministry camp for middle school and high school. That's for the whole church. It's a big deal. But yeah, that one Camp Juggernaut for those younger kids is age three through fifth grade, just staff kids. And we have a Monday through Thursday. We have a blast together. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do parents participate in that with them, or is this just for kids? Yeah, yeah so parents, what we ask is that the parents um, take a day off work to be with their kids, helping lead that camp. And so it's all staff-driven and maybe two volunteers from the church. So you have the kids' staff. We all put our whole time into it. And then we'll recruit a couple other key people. And then everybody else, hey, you might be a graphic designer, but we want you to spend a day at camp with your kids. So we plan it all out, lay out each day. One day is kind of a road trip day. And they get to come in and spend a day, uh, well, five hours away from their normal job. But we don't dock them any pay. And they get to be with their, their kids. So they're not there all week long, but they're there for during the day for one of those days. Man, that's really cool. That's awesome. So the really, let's get, let's dive into uh, that. We got into a whole bunch of other really great stuff right there. Uh, but the actual topic of the conversation today is small groups, um, particularly when it comes to kids. But uh, but I believe these principles will apply across uh, age age range. It doesn't really matter. I, I believe that the the stuff that you talked about actually at the Orange Conference earlier this year. 
Uh, really good stuff. And I know you said that these principles are pulled from the book Lead Small, but I know that you guys have done a phenomenal job of actually implementing and having the very practical side of how these principles work. And so I want to talk through just three of these principles um, with you and kind of how you've implemented them at Elevation uh, and just really dive into this conversation. So we're going to talk about three behaviors of small group culture. First and foremost is improve the structure. What does that look like and what does that exactly mean? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing to consider is if you really want to have a small group culture where your priority is on small groups, like you're going to invest in that and make a difference there, then we need to structure our budget, structure our volunteer structure, everything that we do to build and point to that. So for us, our large group programming um, that's fun and exciting and high energy is pointing to the time that they're about to have in small groups, which for us is about 30 minutes on a given weekend during Sunday morning programming. So we'll get them prepared. We'll show them a video that creates attention in their life, that exposes something to them that they need to discuss or uh, a felt need that hopefully resonates with kids. But then we unpack God's Word in small groups. So we create this tension that sets a small group leader up for success. Uh, last year when we were looking at our budgeting, we realized that small groups were relatively inexpensive for us to do, and we were getting ready to increase our budget for the way we do large group programming, more lights, more lasers, more smoke, whatever, like yeah. all that cool stuff. And we're like, uh, is that going to make the small group experience better? And we realized that we actually needed to focus on a new way uh, to create frequency of attendance, improving frequency of attendance for those small groups, like getting kids to come through more regularly so they can build a better relationship with their small group leader. So mm. restructuring the point exactly to that and we want to make sure that our small group leaders, if we're going to do this, and say the small group leader is where it's at, if they feel some pastoral weight to investing in kids, do they have a system where they can get access to information to follow up with a family when they find out a family member's passed away or the kid broke their arm and they want to check in with them? How do they get that information without giving them access to our entire database of the church? And so having to build those structures and systems is like, we want you to connect with parents. Um, we mail a card right now that we take a picture of the small group team for a worship experience at every location. And then we mail it home and say, this is your small group team. These are the leaders at Elevation Church that are specifically investing in your child, trying to shrink our very big church down to a small way to say, no, no, no this is our structure. This is what we do. I could mail home some pieces and use that budget to hype up some of their upcoming series. Sure. But what I really want to do is say, hey, parents, there's somebody looking for you and looking for your child. And that reinforces what we're doing. And so that structure is saying, really, if we say we're about small groups, is that reflected in everything that we do or a majority of things we do? Or does it just feel like that's a part of what we do? And so for us, we've been real systematic about it. Or hopefully we're trying to. Man, that's really cool. Uh, okay, I'm going to jump back on something you said just a minute ago. So you said in your 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 big service, uh, when everybody's together, before you break up into small groups, you show a video and you create, you said you create attention, you show that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Uh, on a typical week, uh, and even to, to back up just a little bit, how, how long are your kids' services? Great question. So we have 87 minutes of, of actual worst experience time plus 20 minutes to drop off at the beginning and 10 minutes at the end. So I've got about two hours to work with. Sure. And so they start and they get dropped off in small groups. They're going to be there for, if they're the first kid dropped off, they could be there potentially up to 25 minutes. So five minutes into the worship experience, we're kind of waiting on the stragglers to get there. We go to large group, they're in large group for 20 minutes or so, then they're back to small group for another half hour. And so the whole first part is get to know you, spending time together, sharing stories of the weekend, playing some games that are semi-competitive, but more conversational, sharing names, making sure other kids know each other's names, the kids know their group leaders' names, that kind of stuff. Then we go to large group, create that tension with video. Basically, it's unresolved tension. So unlike a uh, sitcom that you would watch on Disney Channel or something mm -hmm. where there's a problem and it's solved 22 minutes later and mm -hmm. everything's perfect, mm -hmm. um, we kind of would build attention and leave it unresolved. So we love narrative storytelling, 
So we'll shoot videos that do that, and there's tension among friends or whatever it may be. But then we kind of leave it as a cliffhanger for the next week. It's unresolved. So that builds a little anticipation for next week. They want to see what happens. But then they talk about, have you ever felt this way before? What is it like when you feel this way? Who has shared this with you before? Have you ever made someone else feel this way? And so those are the conversations that are happening in small groups. And then our goal is for them to say, you know what? God's Word has something to say about this. Let's open our Bible together. So we do that in small groups. So wow. I'll do less of that on video and in the large group teaching and more of that in small group, which means you got to have great small group leaders. Yeah. You have to have a system and a structure to constantly train and equip them. So we have a coaching model where we took the best volunteers at all of our locations and said, your job now isn't to actually be with kids, but to sit in with the group and constantly evaluate the group leaders, give them feedback, install new group leaders, and build a structured system to say, if we're really about groups, then our training model should be heavy group focus. Wow. So uh, how, how big is a, a small group at Elevation? Great question. So our campuses are growing. We move super fast. I can't raise group leaders fast enough. Our goal is 8 to 12 mm-hmm. for elementary age. Um, we will see that at, uh, let's say, a little over half of our campuses. Uh, the other half, they're going to have 8 to 12 in most groups, but then they're going to have a couple of groups that are 15 to 18. They're with a more skilled group leader, but mm-hmm. just the reality of ratios, sure. they're kind of outnumbered. So they'll have an assistant with them, mm. but it's not somebody we would deem as a group leader. Somebody that can be a runner to get some supplies or walk kids to the bathroom or something like that. But um, we're going to have some groups that are oversized just based on growth. We're trying to raise up leaders faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. But we also are at a place now where we're not going to install a leader the week they sign up. Right. Where it used to be we'd install a group leader. Hey, you signed up. Great. Next week you'll be with this group. <laughs> now we're taking weeks to train them before we hand them their own group. That's fantastic. So if I'm understanding this correctly, in the big group environment, you set up the problem. You take about 30 minutes to do that. You leave the problem unresolved. And then is that question or that tension, is it, is, is it resolved in the small group then? Great question. So the issue, the felt need is discussed, but the video problem isn't solved. It's to be continued. So gotcha. we'll do a six-week series, and it's one narrative storyline. The mm-hmm. tension is around one thing that continues to build. So if it's um, uh, we're wanting to talk about teamwork, well, then we'll see disunity in the, in the group, and they're not unified, they're not working together, and it's just going to continue to magnify each week as they're uh, trying to solve a mystery. We have a group called the Finders, kind of think of your Scooby-Doo type gang of mystery crew, and so we film them all the time. They're six, eight weeks long, and there's just constant tension. If they're trying to find this mystery, there's breakdown among the group in one way or another, or one person's behaving differently, or there's a new person in the group that doesn't fit or whatever it may be, it creates that tension. Um, we will leave that tension there. Now, on the back end of group, we celebrate what we learned uh, that day. So we get away from the video. We don't go back to the video to solve it, but we talk about today in your small group, you learn that teamwork makes the dream work, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> something about teamwork, you're like, this is awesome. Um, so We'll, we'll do that. Now, let's talk about how we can actually do this together. We're going to play a large group game together right now, break up into your small groups. We're going to compete against one another, all in this big room together, and we're going to see if it's true what we just studied and what we just learned. And we'll kind of reinforce it and celebrate what they learned for that day, not celebrate that now everything is buttoned up and solved, but celebrate what they learned so they can apply it later. That's really cool. That is really cool. Um, one of the things I love with your structure is, is, is part of this, and I'm curious how you guys practically play this out, but is connecting and communicating with parents. How does that, how do you practically do that? Yeah, so once again, structure is a key part of that. And so for us, we have parents drop off in a small group environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice and controlled and it feels good and they can make eye contact with a small group leader. Life is good. But it pick up we kind of leave it for elementary age in controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we want we know that parents want to see their kids having a great time. 
So we're in some kind of large group game. It's a little loud. It's not all structured and formal. There's a game going on. They're all kind of participating. But what it allows us to do, because we've got all together in our large group environment for pickup, when that kid's name gets called for them to be picked up, the group leader can step away from the group because they're all kind of together in one large area so there are other group leaders watching to go reaffirm something with a parent. Mm. Hey, I saw this happen uh, with your child today. And honestly, sometimes a parent is hoping that some other adult sees something good in their kid because they may be struggling right now or they may sure. not be listening or they may be behaving very entitled. And say, hey, I just want to let you know today, uh, you know, Johnny was in group today, and he's kind of quiet today like he usually is, but uh, we ran out of supplies, and he was the first to break his candy bar in half and share it with his with his friend, and that would blow their mind. And, yeah. like, you notice my kids specifically, he told a story specifically about my kid, you know my kid's name, and he celebrated something. As best I can tell, parents feel pretty special when you celebrate anything in their kid's life. Um, we see this at elementary age uh, appreciation days in school, right? Mm-hmm. Your kid is the best pencil sharpener award. <laughs> you know, Let's come on up here. And we're like, I'm so proud. Take a picture of me on Facebook. And so, and like, we find reasons to celebrate. Yeah. Uh, and we will not do correction in that line. So oh. if a kid's misbehaving, we don't say, hey, I just want to let you know it was a really rough day today. We don't do that in that environment. We'll call them later that day. So unless somebody got hurt and we need to handle something, then we'll actually call them at home because we don't want their last experience leaving church to be a disaster. That's so really that good. that connection, being systematic about it, being intentional. Where do you have what conversation? And how do you structure it? If you left them in that small group environment, if that parent or that group leader gets up to go talk to that parent, another parent walks in, and what do they see? A group of kids with no leader. Well, that doesn't reinforce what we want at all, even though we're doing the very thing we hope to do, which is connect a parent and a leader together. And so for us, we rely heavily on Sunday morning to make that connection, but we do it in such a way where it doesn't unnerve other parents or anything like that. And then we create a resource called eKids at Home, where we're having handed directly to parents. If it has that logo on it, it doesn't get handed to the kid, it gets handed to the parent. It says, this is for you to have healthy, faith-based conversations with your kids at home. And so we're just saying, as e-kids, we're for you. And so a lot of times the small group leaders will be the ones handing that to that parent. Just another way to resource and say, we're doing this together. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, Next part in this is empowering your leaders. Yeah, so this is where we've got to say, hey, let them have some influence in the lives of others. Let them really take this seriously and say, no, 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 no. We are trusting you to help pastor these families and invest in them. And say, no, do it. Now, what we want to do is when we get some curriculum, we don't empower them to modify and change it however they want. That's not how we roll. We're pretty highly um, controlled in the way we do all of our campuses. Mm-hmm. So all the curriculums are the same, the program is the same, the timing is the same, the cue sheets are the same, everywhere. Everything's the same, no matter where you're at. So if you ever are an elevation campus, you're the same. So we don't want them modifying curriculum and going crazy. What we want to do is empower them in the right things, and that's the influence in the lives of kids and parents. And so we're going to give them permission to get creative on ways they can connect with families. And we're always saying, hey, how can we do this? What do you need from us? And giving them a voice to speak back. And so we give them a document every single week where they can write notes of things that worked and didn't work, uh, it didn't work for them in the ministry. Like, this weekend, this didn't work, or I don't know how to do this, or I didn't have enough time to get this done, and then I didn't get time to chat with the parents. Then every Tuesday, by Tuesday, um, they get an email back saying, thank you for your feedback. It was really helpful to us. We're definitely looking into it. We pass that along to the appropriate people. Doesn't mean we're going to change and do everything for their personal preference. We want to empower them to give us feedback and speak into our ministry but also empower them to be a true pastor and leader for the kids they're investing in. Man, that's really good. One of the things I love in your talk that you talked about is the scope of your influence is, de- is determined by the success of your leaders. And so just the importance of pouring into our leaders ongoing, and it sounds like you guys have some really incredible systems in place to do just that. Um, yeah, we, we certainly try. <laughs> 
What would you What would you say to somebody that that's listening right now? That hey, this all sounds great, but we can't get any leaders for small groups. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, that's a real struggle. We we deal with it too. If you were to ask any of my teachers, campus staff, um, do you need more volunteers? They're all going to say yes. <laughs> uh, we need more volunteers, and we certainly need more group leaders. And there's pressure for this, so they're going to agree with all that. So that's there's not going to be pushback there. They're going to say yes, I agree with that. I think the, the reality of what we got to say is that no, 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 this is a priority for us, and so we're going to have the conversation to do it. And it goes back a little bit to the way we structured our ministry. So, as I mentioned earlier, um, some people are placed in children's ministry because they connect really well with kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're zane, they're creative, they've got a creative way to present the gospel, and that's really good. But that zaniness doesn't create additional leaders. And so you have to find two things to do. One, you have to find a way to change gears as a leader. And so if you're leading a children's ministry, to be able to speak into kids, but then when you're speaking to adults, and recruiting family members, stuff like that, you're not talking the same way. You shift into a leadership gear and a leadership mode that's vision-oriented and direction. So that's really helpful. And for us, at all of our campuses, all of our kids' staff, while they may jump in to solve a problem in a room on any given weekend, they are not assigned a role that involves interacting with kids on a weekend at any campus. Their job is to invest in volunteers, recruit leaders, give high fives when people are coming in, make connections with parents, care for volunteers. Hmm. Like I said, like that is their job. That is their number one. I can have one of them in an auditorium being a good host or being real relational or preaching to the kids. That one volunteer role that's now filled with staff member will be really good and really reliable. But how am I going to get other leaders? Where am I going to go next? Well, if I'm locked in a room with kids leading a small group every weekend, well, then how am I going to connect with people? Yeah. And so for me, I'm not going to rely on my senior pastor. You know, I need you to stay on the stage again. We need more volunteers for our kids' ministry, or we're going to have to close rooms or something. No, 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 no. I haven't structured the ministry successfully uh, for me to recruit volunteers and leaders, because I'm actually hidden out the whole time when people are on campus. And so for us, I just push back on that and just say, no, 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 let's get out there. Let's schedule and structure a way for us to do uh, leader recruitment. The other thing is, let's be honest about children's ministry. I've seen this, experienced this. When I travel, I get to share this story a lot and this tension. So somebody gets installed in children's ministry in some way or another, um, to be the leader of that ministry, be a staff member. They're excited, they get vision, they have all these vision meetings, they change the name of something inevitably, and you just got to spice it up a little bit, and you go after it. Well, then it gets hard, because you don't have enough volunteers, and it starts to get difficult. The response is more often than not in children's ministry, well, if I just make the curriculum better, then the volunteers will be able to execute it better, and I'll have a better experience, and more people want to volunteer. Now, I don't know how we get to this place, but we do. I think it's because we want to avoid the mess of ministry. Mm-hmm. And say, no, 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 people are messy. I can control the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I propose to people that if you're switching curriculum all the time and always wrestling with your curriculum, you're probably spending time on the wrong thing. Let's get you structured your day or week wrong. What if you structure your day or week where a majority of your time is connecting with current leaders Recruiting others, doing coffee, building relationships, and really investing in that. And that takes discipline, and that takes time to shift your ministry, because that means you have to delegate a lot of other things. But that's the messy part, and that's the disappointing part, and that's the hard part when people let us down, and so we tend to avoid it a little bit. Man, that's incredible. You're getting me fired up right now, Frank. I'm ready to go run through a wall. Let's go Let's go recruit some volunteers. <laughs> oh, oh, that's gosh. good stuff. Uh, the last thing you talked about, your last point here, one of the last things we're going to talk about is creating the experience. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's it's more than just awesome worship or in an awesome environment. We're all about excellence and atmosphere and being intentional about everything. I know you guys are as well. Like, like everybody has a high focus on that. But it's about the overall experience for this kid to be pastored, this family to be cared for. And so 
kind of have this statement which say the truth of your message is amplified by the depth of your relationship. And we just really believe that if a small group leader has a relationship with a kid or with a parent, the words that they say, true gospel-based words where they're speaking into their life, have more power if there's a relationship behind it. Instead of it being something like, well, they're supposed to say that, or they're just reading the curriculum. No, 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 no. I know this person. They care for me. And if they're speaking this in my life, there's something I need to receive. But that comes with a relationship. And so if we're not intentional about those relationships, then we're going to struggle with that. And I, I want to be honest with it. Like everything I'm sharing with you, we are doing the best we can. We want to be intentional about it. We don't have it all figured out, mm-hmm. but we're, we're trying. And my thought is, like, at least start somewhere. At least make one change, make a little progress. Maybe you can't change everything. Maybe you can't take all these things we've talked about today and apply to all of them tomorrow. But you could start with one, as Andy Stanley used this beautiful language of do for a few, which you wish you could do for many. And I love that idea of like, well, if you can't connect with all your leaders, you can't recruit 50 new leaders to your ministry. What if you could recruit two? That could be nice. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's pursue two. Like, whatever we got to do to make that happen, I think it's just start somewhere and don't feel so trapped or overwhelmed that we can't do anything to create a great experience with relationships. And as best I know, that's where it's at. That's where every person that I talk to talks about giving their life to Jesus. I mean, I say every. Everyone I can think of. Uh, they all tend to have a name attached to it. Well, so-and-so was praying for me forever and finally invited me. I finally agreed to come. Mm-hmm. They've been inviting me forever. They cared for me. They're the one that sat down and prayed the prayer of salvation with me. Those kind of things are all through relationships. And so everybody I know has a salvation story that involves a relationship with someone other than Jesus, someone else that said, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm going to bring you into the story. I have that same story. And most everybody else I know didn't just come off the street blindly. No one ever prayed for them. No one ever invited them to church. They just walked off off the street, gave their life to Jesus, and then started running after the calling. That's few and far between. Most relationship-driven. Wow. Man, you're just dropping gold here. The Andy Stanley quote is incredible. That's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Uh, what you wish you could do for many, do for one, which is just incredible. I love what you said about how the truth of your message is amplified by the depth of your relationships. Man, how powerful that statement is. And so to kind of put a bow on this this conversation around small groups, what is the one thing you said, if you, you may not be able to go out and do all of this tomorrow, but what is the one thing you would recommend start with this? Start with, so if you don't do small groups, start doing small groups in some capacity. <laughs> Sounds like a good way to start. But if you're doing small groups in some capacity, whether you've got Sunday school in some model or small groups or however you do it, I would begin with the question of, if we want to be intentional with relationships, have we structured our ministry, our time, our schedule to support that? Because I think it, it causes us to have an honest look at our time, an honest look at our resources, honest look at our training. We went a whole year saying, we're going to do spot training where we need to, but we're going to do a year of just training small group leaders. Because we say that's the most important role, we haven't been training now. And we were like, we're going to release this training model for the whole church. We got all overwhelmed and realized, what if we just train small group leaders, fix problems as they come up in other areas of ministry, and see what happens? And it was a good year for us. Wow. It was a shift in structure. It was a perspective shift for us to sit down and go, let's be honest. How much time am I giving to ensuring relationships between families, small group leaders, and equipping those small group leaders for success? So I don't know if that was a bow. That was more like Bill Fitzgerald trying to trim the last piece of paper so you could tape it down. <laughs> uh, but hopefully it gives you somewhere to start. Absolutely. This is great stuff. Great stuff. Well, we're going we're gonna to move on here into a little segment we like to call Rapid Fire, where we're going to just fire some questions at you. No time to think. You just have to answer. So without further ado, let's jump into Rapid Fire. First question for you. What book are you reading right now? 
Oh, right now I'm reading a book called Talk Now and Later. It's by Ryan Dollar, um, and it releases um, in a couple weeks. Uh, so maybe by the time this podcast goes live, sometime maybe mid-September, somewhere around there, it's going to be great. It's a great book on speaking in the lives of kids on big topics. Awesome. What is your favorite quote? Oh, favorite quote. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Mm. That do for a few quote, which is a flipped version of the Andy Stanley quote. I gave you the Reggie Joyner version. That's certainly high up there. Um, another one. Mm, it's not that one. That seems, it feels like cheating because uh, I already said that one. <laughs> um, I would say, um, in light of my present circumstances, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? Mm. It's good. You seem to love Andy Stanley. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty brilliant. <laughs> Uh, your favorite book of all time, uh, Bible aside, not not including the Bible, what is your favorite book of all time? Wow. Uh, there's a leadership book that I just keep referring back to. I've been living in for a while. Um, so it's probably my favorite book of all time right now, <laughs> uh, if you say it that way. Uh, it's called Decisive by Dan and Chip Heath. Mm. And it's been a game changer for my leadership. It's a real practical leadership book. Uh, but it's been so helpful. I can't remember a book that I've resourced and referenced so many times for other leaders to, to check out. Awesome. Also, the authors of Made to Stick, another phenomenal book uh, yep. to check out. Uh, w- what would you say is your favorite band or musical artist? You uh, too, but Coldplay is about to laugh, though. <laughs> Just the younger version of of you too. Yeah. Uh, your your favorite movie of all time? Back to the Future. The first one? Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite scripture? Uh, Psalm 63 uh, is the first, like, seven verses or so. It's really incredible. Wow. If you could choose one superpower, what would it be and why? Mm. Superpower of discernment. Sounds like it could. <laughs> uh, no, real superpower. Uh, I want to give you a good spiritual answer there. Um, uh, the superpower of... Man, I would want super strength. I would want to be like incredibly... Like stop a freight train with my strength. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and what would you... Speaking of strength then, what would you say as a leader is one of your top strengths? Um, oh, this would be a funny one. Um, let's go with intensity. Uh, like, I am I'm very, very intense. I care a lot. I'm really passionate, but I'm intense. Uh, if you go by Strength Finder and we were to look at that, it would be my um, top five communication, positivity, uh, vision, achiever, and activator. Just from the, the few conversations that we've had, uh, I can see all of that. That's incredible. Um, well, man, that's all we've got on Rapid Fire for today. Uh, Frank, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, so I love I love Twitter. So that's at S-Beeler, B-E-A-L-E-R. And so I try to stay really engaged on there. It's the same for Instagram, Facebook. Um, but Twitter's kind of my thing. Um, you can check out the website. My wife and I lead. It's lead, E, the letter E, three, the number three. So leade3.com. And so you can check out resources there, contact us that way. We give away free stuff on there, uh, documents that we create, things like that. So one of those ways would be best. Man, that's awesome. Frank, thank you so much for joining and sharing with us today. Hey, what an honor to be with you. I love listening. I've learned so much about checking out the blog and the podcast. It's been great. Great. Thank you so much. It was truly an honor to talk with Frank. Just some amazingly incredible things that he talked about. Uh, just like it was a little bit relieving to hear him say that uh, when when going to get volunteers that their team would say they don't have enough. Um, yeah, I think it that's is. something we all deal with. And it's it, it can be easy to think, you know, if only I was at a church that had, you know, 10,000 plus people, yep. it'd be, you know, we'd have volunteers banging the doors down. Yeah. But it's it's it is comforting to know that even big churches go through the same kind of struggles. Yep. 
We're all dealing with the same stuff. But man, he just had some great things to say. The importance of empowering and developing your leaders, even down to the volunteer level. I love how he talked about you'll see leaders running around on the weekends doing things, and you would think that they're staff when in reality they're volunteers at Elevation. That's amazing. They've done such a great job of empowering those people um, and, and truly giving them ownership to do. Now, it's the trust but verify. They don't just give the keys away on the first weekend, but they do empower their people to do the work. It's what Ephesians 4 talks about, that we're here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Um, And it's just so cool. Frank, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, man. What an incredible interview. Can't wait to have you back on the show. Always inspired, charged up, fired up, ready to run through a wall after we talk. Um, Really appreciate you, man. Thank you for joining us on the show today. And as always, of course, if you have any questions or you want to just get a conversation started, you can hit us up online on the interwebs. Uh, Jared, what are some of the ways that uh, they can get in touch with us? Hit us up, creativesheep.org, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at creative underscore sheep. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me, jared at creativesheep.org. We'd love to hear from you there. Um, and or, hey, hey, or you can also um, like take a road trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma yeah. <laughs> and come and uh, have lunch with us or something. Absolutely. We'd love to meet you in person also. That would be amazing. Uh, but hey, for Jared Hogue and Roman Johnson and the rest of the Creative Sheep crew, thank you for joining us today. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.